0: Clackety 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 clack. It's a real train, silly. What you doing? If a train's coming, you can hear it through the tracks. Honest? Hmm. Oh, Goliath, you don't hear anything. Don't I? Not worried. I know God has a blueprint for my life. Are you crazy? Yep, I'm gonna be okay. You see, I'm supposed to be a student pastor when I grow up, so I'm safe. No worries. (laughs) Davey the train. Sure, sure. Doot doot! Remember the blueprint, Goliath! I mean it, Davy the train! videos just keep getting better, don't they? <laughs> hey, good morning, A30. It's great to see you guys. We are in week two of a series called Dumb Things Smart Christians Believe. Now, if you couldn't be here last Sunday, uh, let me mention two things, all right? First, I would strongly encourage you this upcoming week to take 30 minutes out of your life and to either watch or listen to the message you missed from last week, all right? It was such an important message. It's one that I really want every person in our church to hear. And in a lot of ways, it set the tone for this entire series. So, uh, again, make time for that this week, if you will. And then secondly, I want to share with you what I shared last week as to why we're actually teaching this series, because I believe it's important for you to know, all right? Look, as the pastors and directors of Cross Point City Church, we get to meet with people week in and week out who are facing big life decisions or struggling with different life issues, and, uh, and here's what we found. Oftentimes, we'll get behind closed doors with really smart, well-meaning people who want to do the right thing. Yet their thinking and logic is flawed due to the fact that they've allowed themselves to believe in what I'm calling spiritual myths or, or false beliefs. Maybe it's something they saw on Facebook or Twitter, uh, something they picked up off a Christian t-shirt or a bumper sticker. But nonetheless, a lot of people out there are making major life decisions based on information that might sound good in biblical but it's not so good and it's not so biblical. And I want to show you the danger of doing this, all right? I showed you this last week if you were here. Check this out. Good intentions plus bad assumptions always equals dumb decisions. Look, you can have the best intentions in the world. You can want to do the right thing. You you can have a true desire to exercise wisdom in all areas of your life. But if you are making life decisions based on bad assumptions or faulty information, I'm telling you, it won't be long before you start making some dumb decisions. You'll hold God to promises he never made. You'll expect things you shouldn't expect. Uh, You might make decisions that absolutely devastate your life. And as a result, you'll experience both heartache and disillusionment. And the goal of this series is simple. We want to help prevent you from going down that road. If you have a Bible, I would invite you to go ahead and get it out. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me, if you will. Uh, We read these verses together last week, but we're going to read them again. Just two verses from 2 Timothy 3 that are foundational for us in this series. If you don't have a Bible, follow along with me. Here's what it says, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So again, here's what we read. Paul tells us that this book that I hold in my hand contains the very words of God, that he breathed these words onto these pages through human authors. And as we learned last week, this is the primary way that God speaks to us today. In other words, if you want to know what God has to say about anything, all you need to do is open this book and read it. And God speaks to us through this book for some different purposes. To teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness so that you and I can become those complete men of God, those complete women of God that he desires us to be. Men and women equipped for the good works that he wants to use us to accomplish. Which means, look, which means that if we fail to know this book if we fail to apply it to our lives, uh, if we fail to recognize those spiritual myths or false beliefs that contradict it, well, we might very well miss out on all that God wants to do in and through us, and I don't want that for us, and I don't think any of that want that for our own lives, which is why this series is so important. Look, week after week, all we're going to do is lay to rest those spiritual myths that some of us might be basing our lives upon. And we're going to talk instead about what's true from the Word of God. And and we're going to do that very thing today as it concerns God's will. Look, over my time in ministry, uh, I have to say that I've probably received more questions on the will of God than on any other topic. And I'll tell you why I believe it's true, all right? Because when we face those major life decisions, uh, decisions like who to date or who to marry where to go to college, uh, what job to take, where to live, where to send our kids to school. Let's be honest. We don't want to blow those decisions, do we? And because we don't want to blow those major life decisions, oftentimes when we're facing them, we have a heightened interest in the will of God. We might pray more because we want to hear from him. We might come to church more hoping that we're just going to hear something that, that gives us clarity on what it is we should do. Uh, Some of us, we might ask God for signs, right? Like, God, if if I'm supposed to marry this person tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., would you just let a cloud in the shape of a cross appear over my house, and and then I'll know, then I'll know. Some of us, we might even do that Bible roulette thing that people do at times, you know what I'm talking about? You need an answer, so you get the Bible out, and you close your eyes, and you kind of flip through the pages, and you put your finger down, and you just hope that it says something life-altering. I'll tell you what I've realized as I've watched people over the years try and determine God's will for their life. I've realized that most people, and please hear me when I say most people, because I truly believe that the majority of people buy into the spiritual myth that we're talking about today. Most people who want to know the will of God seek out his will while making some really bad assumptions about what it is and how to find it. Let me show you the dumb thing that most people believe. Here it is. Dumb thing number two which again we heard in the very serious video a few minutes ago, God has an elusive and mysterious blueprint for my life. That's what people tend to believe about the will of God. There are two bad assumptions that, that, uh, that are found in this statement. We're just going to walk through them. Right, the first is this, that God's will is, is elusive and mysterious. You ever felt like that? You want to know the will of God, but, but God has made it really difficult for you to find it. It's almost like he's hidden it. You just need an answer, but God is sending you on this cosmic treasure hunt in order to find the answer you need. And your worry is this, that that even if you find the answer, it's going to be so mysterious or so obscure that you might miss it. You ever been there before? Can I just tell you this way of thinking? It's completely unbiblical. As we're going to see today, look, the will of God is neither elusive nor mysterious. God is not playing some torturous game of hide and seek with his plans for our lives. That's a dumb thing to believe. The second bad assumption that people make about the will of God is this, that it's a blueprint. Think about what a blueprint is. A blueprint is a specific set of instructions for a building project that spells out everything in exact detail, right? And if you want to complete that building project successfully, what you have to do is follow that blueprint exactly. And if you don't, you're going to have some major problems on your hands, aren't you? I mean, for example, imagine this. Imagine you and I, we decided to build a house together. So we go out, we, we hire an architect, he draws the plans up for us, and we start to follow those plans as we're building our house. But, but somewhere along the way, we decide, you know what, we're just going to make some adjustments on the fly. We're going to ignore certain parts of this blueprint. And we start measuring walls incorrectly uh, we poured the foundation to be a different size than, than what was stated in the blueprint. We decided we want to make the pitch of our roof a different angle than the blueprint stated. By the end of that project, what we're going to have is either a really jacked up house or no house at all. Are you with me? You see, blueprints are meant to be followed, not messed with. And again, this is the really bad assumption that, that a lot of us believe about the will of God, that the will of God for our lives is a highly detailed set of plans developed by God himself meant to be followed exactly. We'll assume that there's that one person out there we're supposed to marry. There's that one job we're supposed to have, that one school we're supposed to go to. Um, there's, that, there's that one house we're supposed to buy and live in. And if we get it wrong, if we make one small mistake, then we're in big, big trouble. Look, can I, again, just tell you, dumb thing to believe. It's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. Look, I know this is probably going to make some of us squirm, but just stick with me. Look, can I tell you, God doesn't have a blueprint for your life. He never has, and He never will. And I want to show you two big reasons why it's dumb to believe otherwise. All right, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. First, uh, when you believe that God's will for your life is that elusive, mysterious blueprint, here's what happens uh, you begin to live in fear instead of faith. You begin to live in fear instead of faith. Uh, I know it's early, but I'm going to ask us to turn our brains on for a moment if we can, and to apply a little bit of logic here, all right? Think about the implications of this elusive, mysterious blueprint belief with me, if you will, all right? Think about it. Um, If there truly is that one person, just that one person out there that you're supposed to marry, and you make a mistake, and you don't marry them, and you marry somebody else, think about that. What happens Well, now you've married somebody that somebody else was supposed to marry, and and the person who married you is is married to you, and not the person they're supposed to be married to. And the people that you guys were supposed to marry, they're marrying somebody else. And and because of your one mistake, you have now messed up marriages for all times. (laughs) Think about this. What if there's that one job out there you're supposed to have, that one job, and you take the wrong job. Now you're working a job that somebody else is supposed to be working in, and they're working in a job that they weren't supposed to have, and, and now other people are unemployed and, and they can't eat because they're not making money, all because you took the wrong job. You've you messed up the entire job market. Again, think about your house. If, if there really is that one house out there you're supposed to buy, and you buy the wrong one, well, now you're living in a house that was meant for someone else, and, and somebody else is living in your house, and, and there's a family out there who is now homeless because you've wrecked the whole housing market. Are you with me? What a dumb thing to believe. And when you tend to believe that, that elusive, mysterious blueprint belief, here's what happens. Your only option is to live in absolute terror or fear. And here's why. Because if you make one wrong move, you not only ruin your life, but you ruin the lives of countless people that you don't even know. And, and as a result, here's what's going to happen. You're going to hesitate when you make uh, or when you're approaching major decisions in life. You're going to overthink things. And chances are, you're going to pass by some pretty amazing opportunities that could have been great blessings in your life. And I just want you to know, look, God doesn't want you to live that way. His desire is not for you and I to live in fear. What he wants instead is for us to walk by faith, to trust him as we approach those major decisions in life for the wisdom that we need. And so again, I just want you to know that that believing otherwise, man, this becomes... Your life. And again, God's plan is is not fear, instead, it's faith. The the second dumb thing that happens, the second bad thing that happens when you believe that dumb belief is this you tend to focus on finding instead of becoming. You focus on finding instead of becoming. Uh, It it always amazes me when people will come and and they'll ask for prayer or advice regarding God's will. Uh, while blatantly ignoring his already revealed will for specific areas of their lives. And I'll give you a few examples of what I mean so that you understand where I'm going, okay? Uh, Maybe it's the person who would say, you know, I I need to know God's will on whether or not I should marry this person I'm dating. God, show me. God, tell me. God, I need an answer. Uh, But as they're asking all those questions and, and seeking the will of God, they're sleeping with that person that they're dating, and they're ignoring God's already revealed will for how to date and for their sexuality. And they've never stopped to consider, not once, that maybe God's not giving me the answers I want on marriage. Because I'm ignoring what he's already told me to do when it comes to my dating life. Uh, maybe it's that person who, uh, who wants an answer on their job. God, I need to know your will for whether or not I should stay at my job or, or leave my job. God, I need an answer. But as they're asking those questions of God, uh, they're showing up to work late. They're leaving early, they're lazy, they refuse to submit to the person in authority over them, otherwise known as their boss, and again, it's never once dawned on them that, that maybe God's not speaking, maybe God's not, not showing me the answers I want and I need because I'm busy ignoring what he's already said in his word about hard work and, and, and the, the importance of submitting to people in authority. Like, I'll give you one more. Maybe it's that person who is asking God, God, should I make this major purchase, Or, God, should I invest in in this thing financially? But as they're asking God his will on on those big decisions, they're not generous. They're not giving financially. They're not investing in God's church and in God's kingdom. And, again, they've never once stopped to think that that maybe God's not giving me the answers I want and need because I'm ignoring what he's already said about money and financial stewardship. See, this is one of the major problems with that elusive, mysterious blueprint belief. It changes your focus from becoming the person that God wants you to be to finding that thing that you want to find. And as a result, here's what you do. You you turn God into nothing more than a consultant, as someone you look to for wisdom and advice on the major decisions of life, but as someone you're not particularly interested in hearing from on the day-to-day stuff. Look, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, all right? God doesn't do consulting, he just does God. God doesn't do consulting, he just does God. I want you to understand, this is so important, I want you to understand that you cannot ignore God in all that is important to him and only involve him in those things that are important to you. Knowing God's will doesn't work that way. You can't leave God out of your everyday life and then bring him in for a consultation whenever it's time to make a big decision. In fact, God has something to say to people in his word that treat him like that. These are hard verses, by the way. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase them in a moment, but but you can read them on your own this week. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 22 through 33. Just write that down if you're taking notes. Proverbs 1, 22 through 33. Here's what God says to people who treat him like a consultant. He said, when they come to him for wisdom on a major decision, he laughs. That's what he says. That he actually leaves us when we treat him like that in our predicament, and he refuses to answer us. Now, I know some of us are going, wow, that doesn't sound very godly or loving or compassionate, James. Why that response? Well, I'll tell you why. Because according to him, people that treat him like that aren't really interested in knowing his will. All they want is is wisdom and advice on how to get what they want. And what they want from God is help in, in getting that thing that they want. Look, I need to say something important, okay? Look, God deserves more from us than that. You get that, right? As the God who created us, who breathed life into us, who gave up his very son, Jesus Christ, while we were still sinners to save us from sin, death, and hell. God deserves so much more from us. He deserves from us to be treated like the king he is, not our personal consultant. Now, look, now that we know why it's a dumb thing to believe in that elusive, mysterious blueprint belief, let me show you what the smart thing to believe is. All right, if you're taking notes, write it down. Here's the smart thing. Instead of God has this elusive, mysterious blueprint for my life, what we should believe is that God has a knowable game plan for my life. Think about with me uh, the difference between a game plan and a blueprint, all right? Instead of spelling everything out in exact detail, a game plan instead consists of some general guidelines, some general principles that at the end of the day provide a lot of room and a lot of flexibility for adjustments as the game unfolds. Like, for example, in a football game, imagine that the offensive coordinator calls a play, the offense walks up to the line of scrimmage, and the quarterback, he, he, uh, he becomes aware that the defense has a read on their play. So he's got some options in that moment, right? Uh, he might call an audible and change the play in that moment. Uh, he might go ahead and snap the ball, but instead of throwing to his primary receiver that he knows going to be covered, he might throw to a different receiver. Uh, if he recognizes that the linebackers are getting ready to blitz, he might hike the ball, snap the ball, and tuck it and run instead of trying to throw it. But there are also some things that the quarterback can't do in that moment, right? He, he can't like run out of bounds and then sneak back onto the field. You can't throw a pass to an ineligible receiver. Like the guidelines of the game prohibit that. The beautiful thing about a game plan though is this. A game plan, again, provides room and flexibility for adjustments to be made on the fly so that the plan is successful. Look, plan A doesn't work, what do you do next? We go to plan B. Plan B doesn't work, go to plan C, and so forth, right? Which again, not the case with a blueprint. If plan A doesn't work, There is no plan B. It's back to the drawing board you go. Look, I want you to understand, this is important. Look, there might be instances in your life in which God does have a very highly detailed, specific plan in mind for you. You know, you'll find examples of that throughout the scriptures. God tells a person, hey, marry this person. God tells a person, hey, I want you to do this thing or go to this place. There might be instances where that's the case. But hear me, look, those instances tend to be the exception, not the rule. Most of the time, what God has for our lives is a game plan. He has a plan for us that includes flexibility and freedom for you and I to make decisions, wise decisions, based on the guidelines and principles that he's already made known to us in his word, which is why finding the details of God's will can feel really difficult at times. Look, sometimes they just aren't there. Like you might be asking God, God, who should I marry? God, what job should I take? God, what house should I buy? What about my car? What what college should I pick? You're asking God those questions and and what God is saying back to you most oftentimes is this, I don't care, you pick. I've given you my word. I've given you my principles. I've given you the guidelines to live by. I've already told you how to think, how not to think, how to live, uh, how not to live, what to do, what not to do. You have all that you need to make a wise decision. So on this one, I'm just gonna leave it up to you. Look, if you're struggling with what I'm saying, and I know us churchy people, I grew up in church, so us churchy people, we might be really struggling. What? God doesn't have a blooper, what? Look, if you're struggling, think about it like this. Think about it like this. Have you ever considered that God is more interested in how you live than in where you live? That he's more interested in how you work than in where you work? You ever considered that, that God might be more interested in how you drive than in what you drive? Some of us, man, we just got real convicted, didn't we, in that moment? What about this? You, you ever considered that God, He might be more interested in how you do marriage than in who you marry? Look, God has a game plan for our lives, for all of our lives. And the beautiful thing is this his game plan is knowable because it's right here in the pages of this book. And because his game plan for our lives is noble, the good news is this, we never have to guess at his will. Um, if you have your Bible open, I want you to go to Romans chapter 12 with me. This is actually kind of the, the, the meat, the, uh, the passage that we really need to hone in on. Romans 12, we're going to read a couple verses together, because I want you to see that what I'm telling you is true, all right? Paul's speaking, Romans 12, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Here's what he says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Look, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So look, look, look at this. Paul tells us right here at the end of verse 2, we can know the will of God. Isn't that beautiful news? You and I, we can know it. But, but in order to know it, look, it goes back to what I've already touched on earlier. Knowing the will of God isn't so much about finding something, it's about becoming Someone. Knowing the will of God isn't so much about being informed, it's about being transformed. And to become that transformed person that can always test and know the will of God, Paul in this passage tells us to do two specific things. All right, if you take taking notes, write it down. Here it is. You want to know God's will? Here it is. Obey God completely. Learn to think biblically. Obey God completely. Learn to think biblically and we're going to talk about those okay uh, when Paul said a moment ago in the verses we just read that you and I need to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice as holy and pleasing to him this is the idea that we should submit our entire lives to God and obey him completely in all the things that he's made known to us and here's the beautiful news according to the passage we just read when you do that you're able to test to know the will of God now, obedience, according to Paul, this is huge. Uh, obedience is something that we do not out of duty, out of a sense of guilt, out of a sense of obligation. It's something that we do in response to the mercy that God has shown us through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So if you're coming to church or giving or serving or, or trying to live a moral life just because you want to keep God off your back and you want to make him happy, you're obeying for the wrong reasons. Obedience is our loving response to the God who has poured out his love and salvation on us freely and graciously. And again, when we obey him in the things we already know, the beautiful news is we can know his will for our lives. So let me make it real practical for us, okay? And I'll go back to some of the examples I've already used. Uh, single people in the room. I know it's 830. We've got a lot of married people in here, but I think we've got a few single people. Single people, listen to me. Look, when it comes to that person... That you're asking God, Am I supposed to marry him? Am I not supposed to marry him? Can I just give you some free advice? Look, instead of asking that question, the first question you need to ask yourself is this Am I obeying God in my personal life and in my dating relationships? And look, if you're not, start there. Single people, look, you wanna know how to pick the right person, you wanna marry that right person. Here's the advice I'd give you. Stop working so hard to find them and focus on becoming that godly person that will attract them. Are you with me? You can thank me later, all right? Married people. Married people, look. When marriage gets hard, and when you're frustrated and when you're thinking about throwing in the towel, instead of asking yourself that question, man, did I marry the wrong person? The question you need to ask yourself instead is this. Are we obeying God in our marriage? Are we doing marriage his way? Can I just tell you, if you're a married person in the room, you are married to the right person. And can I tell you how I know that? Look, you're married to them. You're in it. And the choice you have now is to do marriage God's way or to do marriage your way. And I'm just telling you, look at me, if you want to experience the marriage God has for you, you want to know his will for your marriage, you have to obey God and what he's revealed about marriage. And if you refuse to do that, can I tell you, it doesn't matter who you get married to, it's always going to feel like you're married to the wrong person. And here's why. Because marriage, look at me, marriage isn't so much about finding the right person as it is about becoming the right people. You with me? Let me uh, use this one. Um, For those of us in the room who are asking God that question, should I make this major purchase? Uh, Should I invest financially in, in this opportunity? Instead of asking yourselves those questions first, the question you need to ask first is, am I obeying God with my money? Am I giving, am I sharing, am I practicing generosity? Am I investing in God's church and in his kingdom? And if you're not, look, you have to start there. If you wanna know the will of God for your life, It begins and ends with obedience. Obedience always leads you to becoming that person that God desires you to be. And look, don't forget, knowing the will of God, it's not so much about finding something as it is about becoming someone. And if you're the person in the room that goes, ah, that's dumb, James, obedience, I don't know if I wanna do that. I'm just gonna tell you, God's will and his plan for your life is always gonna look great, it's always gonna look fuzzy, and chances are you're gonna make some dumb decisions. You have to obey God completely. The next thing, you gotta learn to think biblically. Got to learn to think biblically. Uh, Imagine that athlete who uh, refused to show up to all the team meetings. Imagine the athlete that refused to learn the team's playbook. Do you think that athlete's going to have a clue on the team's game plan? Answer's simple, right? There's not a chance in the world. And can I tell you the same is true for us when it comes to God's plan or his will for our lives? Look at me. If you skip out on all the team meetings, they're not important to you and By team meetings. I mean, gatherings like this. Uh, I mean, groups in which you are surrounding yourself with other uh, Christian brothers and sisters and you're digging in the word together, praying for one another, encouraging one another. If you uh, don't make the time to learn the team's playbook, if you will, this book that I'm holding in my hand, I'm gonna tell you, look, you are always gonna feel lost when it comes to God's will and his plan for your life. Paul just said in Romans 12, 2, That knowing the will of God is about you and I being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And can I tell you how to renew your mind? You ready? You do it through this book. You read the words that God has already spoken through human authors by the Holy Spirit. And you let that same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you speak to you. You read this book, and, and it informs you on who God is and what He desires. And the more you're informed on, on who He is and what He desires, the more the Holy Spirit goes to work in you to renew your mind. And when your mind is being renewed, you're transformed, and you're conformed to God's wills and to God's ways. And can I just tell you, that's the importance of, of you taking gatherings like this seriously. Seriously you got to come, you got to sit under the teaching of the book. It's, it's why it's important for you to take small groups seriously so that you can wrestle through, through what God's taught with other people. It's why you spend time with this book on your own. You need to take it seriously. Without doing that, look, your mind's not going to be renewed. And instead of thinking biblically, you're going to conform, as Paul says, to the pattern of this world. And then you're in really, really big trouble. If you want to know the, wor- the will of God, it's found right here in his word. You got to read this book. You got to study. You got to understand it. You got to apply it. You got to learn to think biblically so that it can transform you. Remember, knowing the will of God is not so much about finding something as it is about becoming someone. But my daughter right now, she's three years old. One of my daughters. The other one is a month old. And we're getting no sleep, by the way. You guys have asked me, so I'll just be honest. But my three year old daughter, listen, she ignores us these days like it is her job. And uh, it's not so much that she just kind of sits there and tunes us out. Instead, like, we'll ask her to do something. And instead of doing what it is we're asking her to do, she'll tell us what it is she wants to do. You know what I'm saying? If you've got kids, you've experienced this, right? So, for example, the other day, I'm, I'm talking to Rowan. Rowan, baby, uh, it's time to clean up your toys. You've made a mess. It's about time for bed. I need you to clean your toys up. So my daughter says back to me, but, Daddy, I want to watch TV. I said, baby, I understand you want to watch TV, but you've been watching TV, Uh, it's time for bed, and so I need you to clean your toys up. And so for the next moment or so, we had this conversation, baby, I need you to clean your toys up. Well, daddy, I want to watch TV. I don't care if you want to watch TV, I need you to clean your toys up. Well, daddy, I want to watch TV. Rowan, if I have to pick these toys up, I'm going to put them away, and then you can't play with them tomorrow, but daddy, I want to watch TV. It's unbelievable the conversations you can have with a three-year-old. Look, I just wonder if there's anybody in the room doing this very thing with God. Like, are you that person that's here today busy ignoring God because you're so busy doing your own thing? Like, you know that God has asked something of you because what he's asked is found right here in his word. But instead of doing what he's asked, you're kind of just out there doing your own thing, ignoring him. Can I just tell you, because I love you, that if that's you, you're missing out on God's will for your life. And you're missing out on God's plan for your life. Again, his will, if you want to know it, it's right here in his word. And if you want to know his will, it starts here by obeying and by learning to think biblically. And I just wonder if you're that person, look, I wonder if you'd be willing today to come back to God, to ask for his forgiveness, to repent of your sins, and to obey him from this day forward. I just want you to know, man, God loves you. God wants what's best for you. As I said last week, the commands in the scriptures, they are meant for your good, He's not trying to keep you from anything. He wants wants to lead you toward life and joy and freedom. Would you be willing today to submit yourselves to God, to obey him completely, to become that person that he desires you to be? If so, look, you'll always know his plan and you'll always know his will for your life. Will you pray with me? God, I just wanna thank you as I did last week God, for your word to us. God, we just thank you that uh, we don't have to guess today at your plans. We don't have to guess today, uh, God, as to what you want from us or what you want for us. God, you've spelled it out clearly. And God, instead of trying to find those things that that we want to find, the answers that we think we need, God, I'm just praying that something might shift in us today. And God, we might spend more time striving each day in view of your mercy, through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us to become the people that you desire us to become. God, help us to trust that in those moments when we're not so sure what to do, that if we'll just do life your way, God, that you'll make it clear. God, and help us to, to know as well that, that even if we make some dumb mistakes and, and dumb decisions along the way, God, that you're not gonna doom us for the rest of our lives. God, that we can choose obedience and repentance on the back of of big mistakes and know that grace and forgiveness is waiting on us. So God, I don't know where we all are today. God, but you do. You know our hearts. You know what's going through our minds right now. You know what we're wrestling with. You know those things that, that we want answers on. God, my prayer is that you would just speak and move in the next few moments in ways that we need. I pray that you would convict us of our sin. God, if, if sin is present, God, that you would show us the error of our way if we're that person guilty of, of treating you like a consultant rather than a king. God, if we're that person uh, so bent on, on doing what we wanna do instead of what you wanna do, God, show us that. And God, I pray that you might send us out of this room today on a different path, God, with, with a different direction in life. Trusting you. God, again, we love you more than we can express in words. And we thank you for your great love for us that you've shown us through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we pray all these things in his name. Amen.